Welcome to Lucky Boys Podcast. I'm Will. I'm Norm. And we have a guest today. He is from the New York Police Department, NYPD. What's up, Rob? What's up, guys? Big fan of the podcast. Glad to be here. Glad to get out of the house for a little bit, you know? Yeah, get away from the kids. Yeah, the kids are a lot, you know? (laughs) It's like a second job, third job. Oh, man, (laughs) tell me about it. Three jobs in one. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, hope I can contribute something to any discussion that you guys might have, answer any questions. Well, you know. I'm sure we could tackle a lot. I mean, there's a lot of things going on today. And um, actually, our previous guests, you know, it, it just, they touched on some of the policing uh, that's going on, uh, not just for the NYPD, but just throughout America. And uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on a, on uh, on what's going on, just... Uh, I mean, obviously, you you come from another angle. You're, you know, most of us are from the outside looking in. Right. And, you know, I think it's uh, great that we have you on because we actually have someone that's on the inside. You know, so you so when you see these clips, video clips, um, when you see these uh, or read these articles, you have a completely different perspective than a normal civilian would am i right or i mean i I can see where some civilians you know they i can see why they're disgusted by some of the stuff that's happened but at the same time it's sort of like yes i do have a different perspective of like what like why it happened or like how things unfolded because i see it on a daily basis like when i when i'm at work you know you see you can arrive at a situation and it starts out like really just kind of mellow and it just devolves into like this crazy, nasty situation. And I, I think like, I mean, the protests are a function or, you know, they're, they're like a result of like some of, I guess, the outrage from some of the stuff, like rightfully so, like with the Derek Chauvin uh, case in Minnesota where right. George Floyd died and, you know, he was basically filmed and, you know, he suffocated on, on live television or video or a medium. So, you know, that's... It's pretty startling to watch for anyone, I think. And I think most of us, I like to think all of us actually that are in the profession, you know, we're, we're, we can't, we can't really say that, you know, he did, he, he was justified in doing that because it was unnecessary. You know, it was completely uncalled for. And it's just a difficult situation to be in because when you look at it, like, okay, the cops responded. Why did they respond? They responded because someone called, right? Mm -hmm. Someone called on him about a fake 20. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that guy didn't call for the fake 20, it might not have happened. And we w- might not have these protests and these discuss- this discussion even today. Um, but, you know, aftermath, like you see the video and you just see how it starts off pretty okay. They get him in cuffs. You know, he's okay. And then the, the, Chauvin shows up with his partner and things just kind of escalate. escalate. And, but but at the same time, I look at it as a, as a policeman myself and you know, the footage isn't complete. There's like, there's actually a missing portion of it, which, which it's just kind of hard to account for because it's missing. I mean, like, what do you do with that? Like, so, so you have this clip of Chauvin and his partner arriving Mm -hmm. and then you can't, you can see the car arrive and everything. And then there's a, there's another angle where they, you don't really see anything. Then there's another angle where they show that, um, they got Floyd in the car, Mm -hmm. they got Floyd in the car and then, 
the one of the cops um i think i forget his name uh i think uh what the heck was his was name? It I forget the asian guy no it was the, the rookie um, it was one lane? of the thomas lane the new guys it wasn't lane it was oh, the uh it was the black so officer. The, oh the other one yeah uh, I forget his name off the yeah, top. He's of out head. on bail right now. Keurig. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Keurig. Kyung. Kyung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Kyung. Yeah. That's it. Um, so, you know, they have Floyd in the car and then you see him kind of maneuver around the car. It's like, okay. And then after that, you don't really have any more footage until you see Chauvin with his knee on Floyd's neck. So there's like a gap there that no one really talks about. Like, okay, we have this angle where you see Kyung like swing around the car. Because there's something obviously going on in the car. and But people don't discuss that. Like, right. why would he run to the other side of the car mm-hmm. if there's nothing happening? Mm-hmm. I mean, he does turn back eventually. But mm-hmm. obviously, like, Floyd, he's doing something in the back. This, it's not debatable that what Chauvin did was to George Floyd was completely inhumane and wrong. Uh, that's, you know, that's not even up for debate, right? right. Uh, but I guess you're coming at this from, again... A police officer's mindset, like a right. detective, regarding well, what happened to this missing footage? Like, I want to know that piece. Well, the thing is, like, how does he end up on the ground? Why did they extract him from the car? Mm-hmm. There's no footage of that. Now, that's not being discussed. Why, why do you think there's no footage of that? Do you think I mean, the police turned off the cams? I, I don't think it's because they turned off the cams because I, I don't even think they have cam, uh, body cam footage. All right, I haven't I seen any. I have, just saw the civilian footage and yeah. the. Surveillance footage Surveillance from, store, yeah. from just the around local the area. area. And, you know, they don't have body cams. And, you know, not all police departments have body cams. And yeah, it's, it is what it is. I right. mean, what are you going to do about it? It's based on staffing levels and budgetary, like, uh, considerations. Right. So, you know, there's that missing footage. Like, how does he get on the ground? Why is he on the ground? Like, we don't know. All we have to go on is like, oh, he resisted. Right. So they put him on the ground and then... Chauvin did what he did, right. and unfortunately, he lost his life. Uh, do you Floyd. think it's? I mean, I know it's tough for you to answer, but do you think it's fair to assume that Chauvin and his partner just was pretty damn aggressive and somehow just floored him because he seemed pretty respectful in the in the footage prior. Right, he seemed pretty relaxed. The 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 officers that were uh, approaching him right. and and and. And uh, before Chauvin even got there, was there, everything seemed pretty relaxed. Everything looked like standard operating procedure, right? Right, and they it just didn't seem aggressive at all from any party until we see Chauvin. So maybe that missing footage, maybe they knew there was a blind spot. I mean, if I'm an aggressive police officer, right, and I, I mean, he has a history of it. Let's just put it right. that way. So it's fair to call him pretty aggressive with his with his history. Of violence. Okay. And I know that there's certain blind spots where I could get a couple of, uh, I guess, inappropriate things in that's unnecessary. And I put them down. Uh, I, I mean, I think I, I can't assume that George Floyd saw that many cops already got the cuffs on him. And it's going, he's going to do something and act crazy. Right. You know, I, I really doubt that because it would have happened already prior. It just doesn't even make sense. Right. Unless someone antagonized them. But even so, like he just didn't seem uh, I mean, he he seemed more like, yo, get off, please. Like it's right. You know, he, he never seemed like F you get off of me, you SOB. None of that. Right. So I would have to assume that he, he was he wasn't 
he didn't do anything to deserve to be put down like that based on the prior footage. I would have to assume that. Now, in the prior footage, if he was wrestling with the other cops, screaming at them, and and somehow the next thing we see is a footage of him being um, uh, wrestled down and, and a knee on his back and... Then, you, then I think people will understand more. But I think that's part of the outrage is because you, uh, you see this clip. First of all, the, I mean, the the main reason for the outrage is how long he pressed on him for. Right, right. That's, that's the primary reason. Uh, but the even the footage, the, it just it just gets worse because when you look at the footage prior, you have to assume that George Floyd was compliant. He wasn't resisting in any way, shape, or form. Right. He was very compliant, and and it does not look like he did anything. That would justify him end up on the ground, regardless of of you know. I just I just don't see that. Right, and, and like you said, I mean, there, like, just to go on that blind spot part. I mean, I don't know what his. I don't know if he if Chauvin knew what was going on around him, if he was aware where the cameras were, right. maybe get some extra licks in or something, right. because apparently he had a history with this guy, uh, George Floyd. Um, but you know, like. Like I said, like just to go back on that that video footage part where there's like a missing piece where there's just nothing to show why he how he got on the ground mm-hmm. when they extracted him from the car. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's really the piece that would put everything into proper context because the way you see it is like, okay, he didn't resist, right? And then somehow he just ends up on the ground. Right. I mean, as a police officer, I wouldn't extract someone from the car and put them on the ground for absolutely no reason. Unless just to, you were racist. And crazy. Well, I wouldn't even. I mean, you would look for. I don't want to assume like about who Derek Chauvin is because I don't know him. He's he a veteran that. cop. He knew he was killing. He him. might have known that he could definitely do a lot of harm to him. But again, like I said, it's it's very hard to really. Well, I didn't say this before, but I just want to iterate the point that a lot of times, like when you go to handcuff a subject or to gain control of them, a lot of them will always say, "I can't breathe." And is that right? It is. It's. It happens a lot. Wait, how? Wait, if you handcuff someone, but you, if you, if you go to handcuff them and they're on the ground, right, uh-huh. like on their stomach or whatever, uh-huh. without your all, knee anywhere, without your knee anywhere, what position it, are you in? When ju- we're just like both knees on the ground on their side, and get they, they're in handcuffs, and we're gonna get them up. And you know, it's people will just say like, "I can't breathe," because they know that, hey, the cameras are on these cops. Mm-hmm. Let's just say something. Like okay. to make it look bad. But the thing is, like, if you do your job properly mm-hmm. and you know there's cameras on you, you got nothing to be afraid of. If I put my if you put your knee on anyone's yeah in that position, you for for eight I, minutes and forty six seconds, and, right. and you not, have to assume you're slowly suffocating this guy. Slowly. And and it's not just, you know, one person. It was like three people on top of him. So it's sort of like he's already subdued. Right. Why 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 aggravate the, the situation or just well, I mean, like not to defend the other officers, but they did remove themselves from there and try to control the cat crowd at that point. So, you know, they did what was proper, I think. Um, I think it's very easy in Monday morning quarterback, like, what happened. And I don't know, because it might be that blue wall, right? But I, I think what's proper would have been for them to go, yo, Derek, like, chill the fuck out, dude. Yes. Like, you need to get off of him. I, I think... This is, you're, you're ODing right now. This is too much. I think that's a valid point. It is a valid point. Instead of con- crowd controlling, like there's cameras there. Like that's the best way. Like that's how that's how I would look out for you. If I'm a if I'm a police officer, and, and yeah, I know we're doing Monday morning quarterbacking, but it, let's just take that situation 
and you have your knee pressed on on some on, on Norm's back, right? And and we have him as a perp, and and I'm like, all right, I got your back, man, and, and we're doing this. But now I see your knee pressed on the back, and I'm probably not going to say anything the first twenty thirty seconds. You know, we're just trying to get this man under control. And as soon as I hear this guy start complaining, and I'm going, and I see your knee still, your weight is still on him. And then I'm seeing these cameras going out for our sake, for our police department, right? for you as my partner. Me having your back is not allowing you to, to put yourself in a situation where you could be arrested, where you could be charged with murder, where we could create these riots where we're going to um, just create this cr- craziness that's going on now. I would come over to you and just say, hey, like, you know, hey, let him go. Or I would just kind of check on on George and just kind of maybe tap you a little bit like, yo. Hey, it's time, off. you know. You're enabling. You're es- essentially letting Derek uh, do whatever the heck he wants. You're, you're putting, you know, and, and he's not in his right mind, obviously. And look at all the other officers. He got in trouble. Right. Uh, you, right. He got all three of them in trouble, too. Right. I think two of them were brand new. And w- w- yeah. yeah. And, and one of them, what, Thomas Lane was only on the job for two days? Yeah, something like that. He was two really, days? really new. And it was his job, him and uh, Kyung, I believe. If my second day on any job, and I have a veteran that's been over, you know, he's been over with this company for over 10 years, and he's doing something, and nobody else is saying anything, I'm going to go, okay, is this standard operating procedure? Like, is this... I'm I'm just gonna be I'm gonna have very low confidence in what to do in certain situations because I never experienced that before, right? Not to say that he was right in 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 not doing anything, but at the same time, it was the second day on a job. So look at what he's done. He cost everyone their lives. Right. There's a lot of collateral damage as a result, and, and other families involved. So, um, not only for, for I mean, just throughout America. So it's just this crazy butterfly effect. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but again, like, here's the thing: like, if they're controlling the crowd, they don't have they don't have eyes behind their backs, so they don't really know what's happening sometimes. And you could argue that yes, uh, they were just being ignorant; they just didn't care, or you know, whatever. But I can't say it because I wasn't there, so right. I can't really no. go through what was going in their minds. So maybe they thought. Oh, okay. So he's a veteran. Like he's got this under control. He's got his knee. Maybe he'll just extricate himself from this situation. But unfortunately, he didn't. Right. So what you have it just snowballed, and you know, eventually became like a big to do. People got fired. Jobs were lost. People protest. You know, stores got destroyed. And like, during the worst worst time, you know, it was yeah, like during COVID. Yeah, during COVID. Now you and, got people spreading COVID further. In addition to that, people have pent up energy. And, uh, right. you know, they're out saying F this at yeah. the height of COVID. Yeah. And I'm just like, it, it's flabbergasting to me that like people, I mean, rightfully so, they should be outraged. But at the same time, it's sort of like, Jesus, you guys are like a giant, forming like a giant bio ball of death. <laughs> coming <laughs> like, towards you. Coming towards But who was the everybody. catalyst? And it, it's challenging. Who was the catalyst? But there's also a lot that of- That may happen, but of course, you got to- you have to expect that there's going to be a strong public reaction when you see a video like that of a man yeah. getting his life slowly taken away. Of course. That did not deserve that. And he was a father. He is a father. You know, it's just it just kills me to see something like that. I empathize with that so much. 
You yeah. know, and um, regardless of, I mean, like obviously what yeah. he done in the past, that, that he deserved to be like murdered right in front of everyone's I think, eyes. I think so we made so that crazy. clear. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, we, think, we all agree that that's, you know, that's wrong. I think yeah. Rob is just coming from a, a detective mindset, yeah. you know, police officer. He just wants to put all the pieces of the puzzle together, look at the full picture. Yeah. Right. You know, before he yeah. extrapolates. I mean, it, I spoke. You know. to, I spoke to a lot of cops, including you, and and they said that what they saw was hands down undeniable murder. Yeah, I mean, eight minutes. What nine minutes? It eight was eight minutes almost. and forty six seconds. I mean, that's just pretty crazy. But it, you know, like I said, there's that missing video piece that doesn't show where George Floyd was extricated from the vehicle for, I guess, maybe resisting inside the car or whatever he was that that he was doing. Like there's no context like provided as to why he was outside of the car. Why did it take him out? Yeah. Like, and then the next thing you see is just Chauvin on his neck. I don't think that there is any you reason can't justify that would justify. It. Yeah, you can't justify it. And the aftermath. Yeah, you can't justify it. And the thing is, like, he should have known better. Like, as a he, senior, as veteran. a senior officer, like, yeah. dude, eight nine minutes, and if you know you're applying force to that degree, you should know. Yeah, and he had time to talk to the camera. That's the that's the crazy part. That's the craziest part. Yeah. He is like he, he was just so like stuck in his way. He was, I don't know. That was just in like a crazy power trip. Yeah, on some on some. I mean, like immune to like mm-hmm. any type of. I'm above the law. Mm-hmm. It's you just know, it's not gonna apply to me. I think that part was the one. That's the thing that really got to me the most as a cop. Like, okay, like when you're filming someone with their knee on someone's neck, right? You don't actually see how much force is being applied. So, and at the same time, even when you're on scene, like let's say you were Keong Lane or mm-hmm. even the uh, Tao, Tao mm-hmm. uh, I forget his last name, um, the, the three officers that yeah. were there, they probably didn't know how much force he was applying to his neck either. Because when you look at it, you just see, oh, he's got his neck on his thing, on his, I mean, his knee on his neck. Like, I don't know how much force he's applying. You can't see that. You can't gauge it. It's not a video game. <laughs> I can tell when someone's in trouble. I mean, I, I I don't know. I I I gotta give these people. I can't I can't have these guys claim ignorance like that. I didn't know he was putting that much force. Like I've seen people fight. I've seen some people get put into headlocks. I've seen different stuff, and I can tell that that type of headlock is going to put someone to sleep. Right. I mean, or that's, that type of hit is is going to really do a lot of damage to this person. And, and that's all like a function of experience too. Like right. those guys you, are grown you had two, men. You had two on inex- the force. You had two inexperienced officers and uh the Hmong officer uh mm-hmm. Tao. Right. Um you know, he was there too, but I mean, yes, maybe you could have been able to discern whether or not this guy was in like some sort of uh uh, uh George Floyd, I mean, right. not this guy, but you could probably discern like if he was in distress, but at the same time, it's sort of like, okay, well, a lot of people say I can't breathe all the yeah. time too. Let's just put another predicament. If I'm crowd controlling and after a couple of minutes go by, I still hear this dude saying I can't breathe and I turn around real quick just to check on you and I still see you pressed up against this guy. I'm just going to, after five minutes, yeah. after six minutes, at what point should I jump in? What I'm saying is like, you could definitively say that Chauvin was in the wrong or if George Floyd was resisting. But even if he was resisting, like you, you said, do like he, you just don't do that. It's just so what's like, that energy like up. now in the NYPD? Uh, I mean, it's, it's just made the job a lot harder, I think. I think every time something like this happens, it just seems like it happens in like multiple cases in a span of like a couple months and then mm-hmm. the protests just happen like as a result. 
Uh, but I feel like the energy is just sort of, I don't think it's changed the way we do our jobs. Although people probably would say, oh yeah, well, they're not doing anything. But they say that regardless of what we do on a daily basis anyway. So it's sort of, we're used to it already. So, I mean, people people just have low expectations now, I think. But the energy- lower like, expectations? They have low they had low expectations of us. It's always been with. there. It's the always been like that. I think, I think it's always been, I mean, it's always been sort of like a love hate relationship. When you joined the force, uh, did you have to wear body cameras? No, we actually didn't have body cameras. Like they, they came way after, after, after I had a couple years on three years, four years on, okay. then the cameras came out. So, yeah, the cameras are a function of creating more transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it's to protect uh, the civilian it's, and yourself. It's to protect both of us. Um, you could view it's good and bad on both sides. How so? Like the thing is, like here, here's here's the the body cam. Like so, I'll just go into the Atlanta Rayshard Brooks incident mm. now. So you have these cops. They're on body camera, right? Yeah. They're filming the whole situation. It starts off cordial, and this is good and it's bad because it shows, like, hey, these officers were doing their job the right way. They addressed him as a gentleman. They didn't prejudge him based on what he was doing. And you have the context that they were responding to some a 911 call about a guy that was sitting in his car blocking a drive driving lane at the Wendy's. So you have all these contextual uh all this contextual information and you see it on the camera, like the interaction, the breathalyzer, you see everything. Like everything's caught uh with the exception of I guess the uh the shooting itself. Right. And where the taser gets unholstered or t- or actually unholstered and then taken from one of the officers. So you, you and then see he makes a run for and it he makes and he tries to it. shoot the taser, but it right. did and not. It wasn't loaded or was it? Really it it's loaded. So but somehow it didn't it, come. The, the officer unholstered the taser. And this is as far as I know. So mm-hmm. I, maybe I don't have it correct. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to tell you I'm God and I know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, the it goes like this: like the officer unholstered his weapon. Uh, Brooks decides to take the weapon, so you know it has a cartridge in there. Mm-hmm. It's it's a uh, it's a deadly weapon at that point. But no, it's always been a deadly was, weapon, he, right? But no shots was no the taser didn't actually. Sh- I believe shoot he. Up. I believe he turned around. He was fired one shot. He tried to. I, I, I think, heard that it wasn't. Yeah, because you have to. There's a there's a fail safe. Or safety okay. that you have to so I guess activate. So if you don't know how to use a taser, you're not going to be able to deploy it. Do you Are think you, it's justified to 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 use deadly force at that point? I think here, here's how it is. Like in Georgia law, under the penal law, a uh, a conducted energy weapon like a taser, it is considered a deadly weapon, right? So okay, say I'm the cop. I'm chasing after uh, Mr. Brooks. I tell him to stop. He's not stopping. He turns around and he points the taser at me. Yeah. I have a split second to decide because if he tases me successfully, I'm disabled. Pursuit ends. Mm-hmm. I'm disabled. Who's going to, where's my partner? I don't know where he is. Like, right. I don't necessarily know if he's behind me because, you know, I don't know. Because in the heat of the moment, you're not really thinking about it. You kind of have tunnel vision sometimes. So I'm chasing this guy. He points a gun at me or a taser at me, which is considered a deadly weapon, I can meet it with deadly force. And that's what that's exactly what happened. So he pointed the, the gun back. I mean, he pointed the taser back, and the officer shot him. 
that's a justified shooting. Like the fact that they arrested him, I think it's sort of political. If it was right, it's, if it's justified, they arrested him and they also fired him from the department. Yeah, or did they ask him, or was he on paid administrative leave? Or one of them is not. One of them is on administrative leave, I believe. The and one then, that did not fire his partner, yeah, Brosnan, I believe. Right. And the other one, but one's... he's getting charged too. And then the the officer, Officer Rolf, mm-hmm. he's the one that's getting charged with murder and like all these other counts of like assault and whatever else. Right. And I'm just like, they're politicizing it because this officer, he did what was right. That's in that situation. Who who else would do some like what? What would you ask him to do? If well, that, like if just that was, take that taser right. shot in the chest, immobilize him, and then and then and, the sharp books might do something. Yeah, you don't gun. know that. You don't know. Um, and, and that's and the whole crazy thing is that like people like there are you. There's an article in USA Today for from like that got commentary from people like and just just random lay people, civilians. They're, they're mentioning like, oh, you know, he, he was drunk. Yes, he was drunk, but they could have just let him go. But here's the thing. If you let him go, let's say you let him go, he kills somebody. You're putting a, a, a you're drunk putting person other... back in behind a wheel. Yeah, you're putting him back behind the wheel. But well, yeah, you could have escorted him. Right. I'm gonna take the car keys for this guy. Here's and, the thing: Did he really you know, need to be arrested? I mean, he's a public safety issue at that point. He's drunk. If you if you if you take him home, if you drive him home, if he, you let him go, he's liable to just go back out there. And do something later. So policing is preventative, right? It's reactive and it's preventative at the same time. And it just, it's it's just you can't really let someone that's drunk just you can't just let them go like that. Oh, I'm just gonna let you sleep it off, you know. Uh, you can go home, go to your sister's place, or you know, I'm, I'll take you home. I'll drive the car, you know. It's what's a police you, officer putting, supposed to do in a situation like that? Do you, you think? I mean, a lot of Talks has been talking about how police officers are undertrained for several situations, I, I, where I, they resort to gun violence or deadly violence right. so fast. They're so quick that they're, there's been talks about police officers just being, or the way the public perceives them is that they're trigger happy, especially in major metropolitan areas, right, right. Uh, specifically New York, LA, San Francisco, right? Um, and they're saying, I mean, these, these police officers have a bad rap throughout America. Uh, do you think part of it is because of the training? Well, just to finish my point about Rayshard Brooks, like, uh, it, it's just you can't you can't really just let him go. Like, if that was in New York, you can't let him go. And and just to go back mm-hmm. to that original question of mm-hmm. whether or not body cams are good or bad, right? In this instance, it's good, and it's also bad because it's good because it captures the whole incident. Mm-hmm. It's bad because okay, let, let's say they let. Uh, Ray, Rayshard Brooks go mm-hmm. guess who was reviewing that camera footage the supervisors the civilians the cops the higher ups they're reviewing it to see if you did your job properly and mm-hmm. they're going to say you didn't do your job the and, body cam and yes the shooting the deadly force right. and the training it's all tied together in the yes. same conversation it's, it's all tied together and in this instance I personally feel the shooting's justified because you met deadly force with deadly force that's mm-hmm. that's part of the training. Mm-hmm. It's okay. a deadly weapon pointed at you. So gonna... I actually read something different, and I mean, I might be the source, might be um, incorrect, mm-hmm. um, but I heard that the 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 weapon, the taser that Richard Brooks took, was actually empty. So the the I guess the cartridges were already shot, 
Um, and he by who Rashad Brooks or just by the police officer by the police officer before he previously did, previously so so, so he just the didn't tussle, reload he yeah, never so reloaded. the tussle happened well, and then he took the taser an anti taser and apparently the off one of the officers knew or both I don't know um, but that's the article that I read so well I don't I don't know what article that is yeah. so I can't really comment as to the validity of it but a taser is a projectile weapon right mm-hmm. it has I'll just describe it to you it has two cartridges. One is, you know, a backup cartridge and one is whatever. It's mm-hmm. already in. It's, it's ready to go. It's loaded. It's ready to go. Mm-hmm. What officer in the right mind would unload a taser at close range? It's a projectile weapon. Mm-hmm. You need range for it to work. Right. You can't tase someone with a taser cartridge in close quarters. It doesn't work because the prongs that discharge the electrical current would not, it would not go. It just, it's. It just, At a it short just distance, doesn't work. It, it'll just bounce off. Yeah. I mean, it's not that it would even bounce off. It's just that there's nowhere for it to go, really. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's just going to... It hasn't developed enough momentum it, to... It's not even the momentum. It's like the, the prongs deploy in a certain way at a certain arc, and they, they hit certain points of the body. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, without getting into the technical details of it, it, doesn't, it just doesn't work at close range. Mm-hmm. Like the way so it what's co- what range? Like it six has, feet? Six, ten, fifteen feet. That's like, ideal. You know, ideally that would be. I just want to know if great. I'm ever close to a police officer with a taser, so I should go so closer. Really close. <laughs> Damn. Well, I'm hopefully, hopefully, hopefully you never know get into that situation. Like, yeah. But yeah, a taser. When you have it in close quarters, you're gonna take that cartridge out and you're gonna use it in a different manner. So mm. it's not discharged unless, as far as I know, I don't think it was discharged in that incident. And from what I understand, uh, it was Officer Brosnan's taser that he unholstered and which uh rayshard brooks grabbed mm-hmm. so if he just unholstered it it would have the cartridge in it mm-hmm. he you know what i mean or he, maybe he forgot he to re- reload his but, cartridges but again i mean, I mean the, no it's again i don't know how valid the article is that you read but i mean if that's true that it was, it was empty, i think it was like newsday you, you, you can't go out and, or something i mean i don't know how they do it in atlanta so i can't comment but the way the tasers work is that they're always loaded. You can't go out with an unloaded taser in your holster because first so you of all, do a check before you go out on a beat. Yeah, you gotta you gotta make sure the taser works. I mean, it's yeah. functional, charged, all and, that. And stuff. you can only shoot it twice. I mean, it, it yeah, there's a maximum. Preloaded, it's preloaded, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah once, if I'm going to war, I'm gonna make sure that everything's there. You'd, you'd be crazy to go out with an empty taser. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I mean, so that's, too. Or you have to load it. But I don't know. I don't so, know how yeah. they work. But you know, like in this situation. So, like, but again, like, just, how does that tie into training now? Like, because. Okay. A lot. I mean, there's public outrage on that specific uh, story uh, with Rashad Brooks, and most people outside of the box think that there was a way to stop that such situation before even gone to that level. And uh, it goes back to the training. Do you feel that there's a way to train police officers so that? They're very equipped to handle unusual situations like that. Unusual, usual situations. Oh. I mean, it's so hard because police officers, there's just so many different things. I think is it's you you can train all you want, but it's not always going to happen exactly the way you practiced. And out in the field, stuff goes downhill real fast. Like with Rayshard Brooks, like you saw him, he, he was complying. And all of a sudden, he just makes a beeline for it. Right. Like they train you for that, but... Okay, 
I mean, in that situation, what are you supposed to do? Like, the, you well, you can you pursue. Okay. You pursue, like, and you try to get him to stop through nonviolent means mm-hmm. uh, or like minimal phys- physical force. But it, do they tackled him to the floor, right? Mm-hmm. They tackled him to the floor, and then he resisted. Like, you have to overcome that resistance. And yes, our training teaches us to, how to overcome that resistance. But at the same time, like sometimes these people that you're wrestling, they're just like obscenely strong like you could wrestle like a 110 pound kid mm-hmm. and they just have this freaking crazy strength well like, that's because in their mind they're fighting for their lives i mean yeah we're not trying to so it's if, not if like you, we aren't either if your back's against the wall you're gonna give everything you got but that's what i'm saying and adrenaline like, yeah but, yeah, but that's, that's what i'm saying you guys like, in a tough situation we we have to overcome that resistance and you know like you don't want to apply too much force at the same time you need to gain his hands and compliance so how do you do that? Like without, without, you know, potentially hurting somebody. So do you feel you can't, do you feel, well, again, it goes back, it goes back to training, right? If police officers were training in, in, for example, mixed martial arts, or if they had some form of jujitsu background. Right. And there are cops like that. Yeah. They'll be able to easily, easily use someone else's force against them. You can't use submissions. Yeah, <laughs> you can't all. use submissions. Well, can't, can't well no, they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, they're not submissions. submissions but what I mean, thing. yeah, I'm not saying like submission holes and make them tap out and stuff. But uh, I'm just to get them to a point because a lot of these people, I mean, a lot of people don't know how to fight, right? They just use energy. They go wild, right? And they and they'll know how to control their bodies and be patient, right? And just kind of work with them and then and then let them run their course and then know the good time to really apply the cuffs and. And all that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not a police officer, but I would have to imagine I would feel much more confident if I had a, a jujitsu background or some form of mixed martial arts, where if I had to tussle or wrestle with someone and 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 calm them down physically without applying too much pressure, I'll kill this person because that's the thing. People that aren't trained, if someone else is going 100. You feel like you have to match that 100 or go beyond that so that you don't lose this fight. Like you said, they're using force on me. How dare them? I need to, I'm not trying to, I, I need to survive this. I need to apprehend this, this bad guy. So I have to do everything I can to stop them, right? Whether it's beat them with a baton, taser them, shoot them. But a lot of the situations they feel there was better training, it won't even have to escalate to that level. It doesn't. It doesn't matter like how much training you have because those situations will always put you in some sort of like weird bind where you have to overcome that resistance. So, yes, you can you can be like a total expert at like uh, you know like B-jujitsu. arm holds or mm-hmm. jujitsu. I mean, ideally speaking, you don't ever want to be on the ground. Like mm-hmm. as a cop, True. you do not want to be on the ground because that's where things get really murky for you. So BJJ it would not work. Mm-hmm. It's not practical. Really. It's not practical because you can't choke somebody, right? Like mm-hmm, you said, right. you can use a, a, a bunch of holds, right? Like, but you're restricted. You can't choke somebody. Like mm-hmm. a, a lot of the maneuvers in BJJ, would you say that they're, they're submissions, submissions the submission to holds, cut right. off breathing? Right. A lot of them triangle chokes, right, right, rear right. naked choke, whatever it is that you want to talk about. Like a lot of these consist of taking the air out of someone's windpipe. Right. And, also and you think, can't use that. And also, thinking, right, but but also just, you, but just reformatting you, some of that, like you could get control of their arms. You have to get their legs first, right? Their bodies without because a lot of the times you can do all that. You can 
it, it's that's the end move, right? It's to get them in a submission, uh, to, for them to tap out when you're when you're <laughs> when you're when you're in, in a combat. But uh, but a lot of the times you're under control. If you look at these MMA fighters, they're in control, complete domination without having the other person submit. Right. They're trying to because the other person won't let them, but they're still controlling their body and 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 ha- they can't move. They know how to just use their force against them. I think that it sh- should be personally. I think police officers. Number one, I think police officer should be paid more for what they do mm-hmm. uh, for several reasons, and we could dig into that uh, later in the conversation. But because uh, you said the starting pay for the NYPD officers is forty two thousand dollars, which is right for a year, and which then... is fucking crazy. So we'll, we'll go. We'll go. But that, into that's that, one. Yeah. But two. Uh, I mean, forty two thousand dollars in twenty twenty is absolutely insane, and you're risking your life. And when you get when you start as a police officer, you they immediately put you right right right, right on the street yeah. in one of the worst neighborhoods. Sometimes, right? yes, yes, it really depends. They've right. changed it, but so yeah. another thing is if I think some form of martial arts, real world combat training uh, should be taught to police officers, and we do get that training at you do at the academy. Yes, we do yeah. get. Uh, compliance training, like, you know, how to, you know, fight in a situation, or, like mm-hmm. how to work yourself on the ground. The thing is, like, you have six months in the academy. Like, you're not going to become like a black belt in, right. it takes, in anything. It takes like, a long time. You're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to pay for your own training. And at the same time, you have to think about it. Like, cops are, are normal people too. We're fathers, we're sons, we're daughters, we're mothers. We're somebody something. And it's a tiring job. And when you work a lot of overtime, sometimes you don't have the time to allocate to that training, much less have the funds to do it. Like you said, like the starting salary when you're beginning, it's obscenely low for what you want to do. And we'll we'll go deeper into that and how it's kind of messed up, like that people expect us to have things like malpractice insurance. Like that that (laughs) stuff is just insane. I know you were telling me that before the podcast that you read a comment. Uh, yeah, from one of our viewers, uh, that, that Chow Chow kind of, Liang or Chow something. But then again, yeah. I don't think it's. I mean, what they say makes sense to them. However, I mean, it also could make sense to someone like me because yes. I'm from the outside. I don't think they're stupid or uh, they they like whatever. I think they have good intentions, and it's not because they want to see police officers suffer either. I don't think that's the case. I think a lot of it's because we're from the outside looking in. They right. probably don't right. have all that information right. to, and, to make that you know assessment. Right. And we're just trying to come up with with something, how we can proceed better. I don't think it's always uh I think most people speaking up, I don't think it's 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 all just evil or like oh F you guys. I don't think that's a majority. It, it may seem like that because those voices appear to be louder. Right. Right. But I, I don't think that's the case. I think the majority want the police around. Right, I think the majority wants better training. I think they want to feel safe around police. I think they they want some harmony with neighborhoods and police officers. And I think police officers want the same thing. I don't think they want to constantly go to war with the you know with everybody. You know, like you said, they're people too. Yeah, you know, they don't want to constantly have to watch their back. Right, but it's a it's a situation where you need to. So, uh, that said, do do you think that Police pay, training, all of that needs to be dramatically improved. Is, is that is that what's causing it? It's or? it's a very complicated issue because there's money involved as well. Like people don't realize training 
Mm-hmm. Like all this stuff costs money. But just to just to finish up the whole training aspect, you know, mm-hmm. just yeah. to, before I delve deeper into the pay issue and like all that stuff being uh, interrelated, uh, training is you get it at the academy, but you're you're expected if you. I mean, you're, it's not mandated that you have to have like some sort of mixed martial art background. It helps, but you have to, you're going to have to go and do it on your own. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I said, a lot of people have lives outside of police work, mm-hmm. and it's not always possible. And it's not always financially possible either. So now you got this situation, and now we're going to jump into the finance financial part of it. You're paying cops forty two thousand dollars a year starting out, and then. This is NYPD, of course. Right. So you're starting out with forty two thousand, and for the first like five years, you're getting one thousand dollar raises. One thousand dollar raises mm-hmm. until you hit five years. That's crazy. Think about that for a second. On a bright side, <laughs> after fifteen years, you can retire. No, actually, right? no. It's no? twenty two and a half now. If and if you want wait, to retire, wait, as coming in as a cop, like since when? Coming I in it was as a cop years. now, it's twenty two and a half years now. As of when? 2019? 2018? It's been 22 and a half for a while now. Like when they changed the... So for you, is it 15 or is it 22 and a half? No, there's never been a 15. It was 20 previously for like the oh, older cops. I thought so if they 15. joined like prior to, I don't even know, like the early 2000s, right. they could retire in 20 years. And don't quote me on that, but right. like I believe that's where it stopped. And then they created like a new pay tier or benefits tier or whatever for mm-hmm. guys like me that came on a little later. So, you know... And then the newer new guys that are new, even newer than me, they're they're on that forty thousand dollar with one thousand dollar increases pay tier. You, know, you can't crazy. live like that, and then expect cops to be to spend money on their training. Like, yes, it's a funding issue. Like, NYPD could provide the training, but at the same time, you you have you have these forces, political forces, and people clamoring for us to use more non-lethal methods and to hold us more accountable for our actions through transparent things. So we have to allocate funding for body cameras. We have to allocate funding for tasers because of what happened to an um, uh, uh, emotionally disturbed lady in the Bronx. Sergeant shot her you know, because she was coming at him with a bat. Mm-hmm. So now you gotta have to allocate money to like shields. Yeah, that's and what, lawsuits. That's what um, Lex was alluding to in our previous podcast that he was he, he's for defunding the police. Right. And he's all about uh, leading to that uh, <clears throat> case. And when he says defund, not to completely strip you of everything, but just uh, in areas where, like you were talking about, having your own insurance, right. that way it doesn't come out from taxpayer money. Right. Um, and, and, and that way it'll hold you guys more accountable for when you do do something that's out of um, out of pocket, that <laughs> right. causes some and, result and, in some lawsuit, and, and all these things cost. Because he money. said something about there was a, like a billion dollars worth of lawsuits. Well, I don't know the exact figure because I don't need to know it. It's not my job to know what that mm-hmm. figure is. That's uh, something but else. Would you agree? That's that's it. It is an astronomical number, but everybody has a rainy day fund, right? You know, stuff is going to happen eventually. Someone's going to get sued. Something's going to get settled. Someone's going to get paid out. Mm-hmm. It's just the nature of the game. It comes with the territory. And let's just say you got, tw- you were able to reduce the lawsuit by twenty percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were able to make adjustments, and and now your rainy day fund, it's eight hundred million instead of one billion. So there's two hundred million dollars more of extra cash 
would they be able to use that and bring it back to training into paying you guys a better salary so that you guys are more well-equipped and, and, and maybe pay more officers so that you're not so strapped in overtime all the time, right? Okay. And, and so, number one, give you a better pay salary off the bat. Number two, invest in your training, perhaps pay for you guys. Because mm-hmm. at $42,000, it's a really tight lifestyle. Yeah. It's it a is. really tight lifestyle. Right? You have to be extremely frugal. And so... so you, you download all the apps for coupons. Do you think that that's possible? I think I think in that that's like a really hypothetical type of situation. Like we can work work the numbers any which way we want, but the fact of the matter is, like, yeah, you you can this one billion dollars this this number that's been thrown around. It, yes, you could theoretically, if you get less lawsuits, you could use that for more training. But if you use that to train officers on job time, right? Let's say. Um, Okay, now we have this two hundred million, like you said, mm-hmm. that we saved or eight or whatever number it was, mm-hmm. um, and you use that to give officers on job training. Right, mm-hmm. you're taking that officer off patrol. Mm-hmm. So how you need to reconcile that with what the needs of the precinct are at that point, because you need officers on patrol. Hire more officers, but you can't hire Why more that? officers. That's the Why problem. Not? Like, Why not? people don't want more officers. It's well, it's a would, really they would it, if we've we've actually been like here's the honest truth like we've actually we actually have less officers on patrol now mm-hmm. because because of these transparency requirements that the public are making from us so with the body cams right mm-hmm. for example you had to create a whole division to review all this body cam footage mm-hmm. you have civilians doing that and you have uniform members doing that mm-hmm. those are cops off patrol. That's cops off patrol. That mm-hmm. means less cops. The number hasn't increased for cops. But you have to much. but you have to address the training. Look, I anybody that works in pharmaceutical, anyone who's a doctor, anyone who's in any part of this era, the world changes so fast. That's just part of the monster. If you're not changing, you're being left behind. Right. All right. And you cannot keep forcing the old ways. It just doesn't work. You have to evolve and change with the times. Any company that does not do that, the, it doesn't survive. Blockbuster, perfect example, right? They didn't even take, take Netflix serious. Seriously, Yahoo, same thing. They didn't take Google seriously, right? Every company that's successful today that's, that was uh, several decades ago is because they was able to shift and grow their business and change with the times. I think for the police department throughout America to to have a higher morale boost within the force and to have a better public perceptions, they need to change something. There needs to be big changes okay. that'll enhance, that'll make your jobs easier. But at the same time, we need to increase standards. We can't have the old ways. It just We can't bring 1970s, 1960 policing style into the year 2020. I, I don't think it works. Okay. Body cam, I like the idea of it. I mean, we're moving into a more digital area. Whether you like it or not, the world's changing. We have to change along with it. I don't think having less police officers are a good thing. I disagree with that. So whoever's saying that, <laughs> but, when you need the police, that's, that's a whole nother story. But I do believe that police officers 
I think $42,000 is ridiculous. I, with $1,000, you're, you're making less than 50 grand a year for the next five years. What's, what's the incentive for the police officer not to take a, a bribe somewhere, right? If someone's on a borderline and they're making life and death situations with their family, something and somebody offers them a little thing under the table, that's, that's a whole nother separate thing. But I don't believe that, that coming up with, oh, our hands are tied. And that's it. And I mean, if you got a billion dollars for lawsuits, then I would say whoever's in charge, find a way to enforce some standards where these lawsuits, where we can reduce them, at least by a certain percentage, reallocate some funds and put it somewhere else. Think of it like how, if you just look at it from a business perspective, right? A business perspective, we would look at it where are we spending money where we don't need to? Where where can we cut costs so we can reallocate this that's not helpful, bring it over here, which will make our company better? So how do we take this budget here, decrease this because we don't need it as much anymore, bring it over here, reinvest back into the company, back into the infrastructure, back into the police officers, but in all the best ways. Maybe police officers need some psychologists. Right, um, some you know, some somebody to help them through all that stuff because there's also suicides that's I hear going on for us. Right, training on the clock, right, and 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 also it'll help them be more confident. I mean, like just just me going out for a run, working out, I feel good about myself. A lot of these police officers, if they're not working out, they're just it's another day at the fucking job. I mean, it's terrible. As soon as you go go out and you wear that uniform, it's you against the world, and the only person that's got your back is the other boys in blue. I get it. I get that mentality. But I don't think it's right. I think we need to kind of change that. I think we need to change the whole system, how we treat our police officers, how we train them, how we pay them. And therefore, and, and also the standards that they have with the public, I think we need to change. Right. I, I think a holistic approach to revamping everything is necessary. Like it's it's super necessary. Per- yeah, it's public perception and it's also departmental as well. Now, I'm not going to say that we haven't been getting any training because NYPD has evolved with um, the times. Do you get so, ongoing training? So we do get ongoing training. We get requalified for weapons all the time. We get okay. training for de-escalation tactics, uh, active shooting scenarios. So we get all this training. We do get training and we get refreshers in you know, tactical combat situations, stuff like that. Okay. So it's not to say that we don't get any training and that we aren't evolving with the times by enhancing like our capabilities, you know, either with uh, digital phones, like right. to do our job more efficiently and all that. But, you know, it's just a lot of things that you have to do in order to really reform like things to the point where people are satisfied. And I think in but general, have to. people are never fully satisfied. But that doesn't that that, that does, shouldn't exempt, be a reason to. It's not a reason, no. To be paralyzed and say, "Well, we're not going to do it any because they're never going to be satisfied anyway." And right. it's not, and it's not just to satisfy the public. That's for the politicians to worry about. I'm talking about just having better policing, right? I mean, right? Just fix fix what you got within your department, and then and then make that standard throughout. And I'm not saying that should. I'm not saying anything about defunding. I'm not saying anything about about taking away the police's power because I don't want, at the same time, I don't think it's fair that police officers should fight crime with one hand behind their back or two hands. I was just saying that in a previous right, podcast. I saw I like, that one. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't have police officers fight 
crime like that. You know, you need to give them everything they need to do their job, just like in any company that equip uh, their their staff to whether they're sales reps or their their uh, customer service department. They equip them with the tools and the technology to do their job the most efficiently that they can. And I think police officers, I don't think it's ever bad to reinvest in your in your team. So if if in this case, your soldiers, the police officers out on a beat, the guys that are on the front line, I think they should invest in them heavily. Right. And, and you know, uh, psychologically, we'll, we'll just emotionally. Stay away from the, we'll stay away from that phrase of soldiers because I know it's very politicized. People think we're a militia or something. But um, I, I do see some police hummers, yeah. man. Well, I'll take oh, you. Like, there are some. There are some. I mean, like, but uh, they're some, not going to be the, the, gear some, that some military gear. Yeah, I do see it that's locally. Not, that's not the norm. So, you yeah. know, you know, that's... That's like a specialized unit. But in any case, yes, yeah. I, I do believe that reinvesting in personnel is like vital. Mm-hmm. And I think NYPD is doing that. Um, it might not be at the speed that the public is satisfied with because it's such a huge department. And there are a lot of people that you have to train. And like I said, you have to t- if, you're, if you're training people on job time, you're taking them off patrol. And you have to reconcile all that. It's not easy to do, especially so in a big department. Why is it so department. slow? I mean, do you feel like... Because the public feels... Like they're dragging their feet on this. The public always feels like we're dragging our feet on everything. Right. Like it's like when you get in a car accident. It's like, oh man, the so, cops two so hours who, not so, here yet. So who? That that's pretty terrible. Two <laughs> but, hours, man. But yeah, so that so, you're dragging your but, feet, but bro. But actually, actually, they no. respond really quickly to, to it, car accidents. It's situational because yeah. it really depends on where you yeah. had the car crash. What's yeah. going on in the precinct? If you have a heavy job, you're not gonna be able to get the car accident. Come on, let's let's be realistic. People don't see that, see it that way. Of course, they're just like, oh man, these guys are so slow. Yeah, it's my situation. It's Take, me, me, me. Yeah, yeah it's it's selfish. No, come on, two hours. That's a long oh, no. time. Yeah, bro. yeah, two hours. Is a long like time. It, it, if I got in a car accident with with, with a stranger, yeah, I'm so waiting, like, and we're both waiting. Well, we had the we had and the two hours, traffic too. Right? And Rob, <laughs> Officer Rob, didn't show up yet. You know what? I'm just I'm just gonna be like, yo, you want to just watch some Netflix together till they come, like. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that that's that's crazy. That's that's two hours is a long time, man. It, it's crazy. I mean I, I I'm already stressed out, man. My damn car got all messed up. But you have to realize I gotta wait two hours to report it, this just it, so my insurance could clean this. Like it's nuts. Uh, but but then again, like I said, like it's all a matter of like how you allocate personnel. Like if you don't have the personnel to respond to all these jobs, especially when they're all hitting you at once, mm-hmm. it's very tough. And then when you're taking people off for training, on job training, it's very tough too. So, so it's a very, it's a very complex issue. Um, I think like when we simplify it, it, it's, it's just, yeah, you can talk about solutions like all day long, like they're really easy to implement, but they're not that easy to implement. I don't think they're easy to implement. No, I don't think anyone thinks it's easy to implement, but we need to implement some of these ideas. So some of these ideas are a must have. Right. So so just to touch on the funding or monetary part where we're talking about salary and training and all of that, just to wrap it all together, I guess. Like so so you have these people that are calling for us to you know to defund us, right? They want to defund us and allocate resources in other ways or they want us to have like malpractice insurance so that the city doesn't have to pay out for I guess uh I guess incidents where we have to exercise physicality. Um, or deadly force. So, okay, let, let me just address the defunding portion first. So the defunding portion, if you allocate resources, okay, let's say you take money away from the police and then you strip them of their ability to answer, you know, car accidents or emotionally disturbed person jobs or 
uh, domestic violence incidents. Who are you paying exactly? Like, here's here's my question. You want to pay these professionals to do the job, but how are you going to allocate these professionals out in the field? Are you going to put them in part of a team with the cops? Or are you going to send them out on their own? Are you going to give them weapons training? Are you going to give them tactical training? Are you going to give them a vehicle? There's all these considerations that people have don't don't take into account. Like, okay, let's say you send them out on their own. You send out a social worker to a or a I guess a social worker or what or whatever it is to a domestic violence job. It goes south. Mm-hmm. What's the stop that 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 group of people from? Just right. wrecking that social and worker. They're not or trained. Them they're not trained. Or, or if it's hostage. a situation where they need to de-escalate right. or, or um, make an arrest. Right. And or people, if there's a witness and then they're, they're not trained for any of it. They're just trained mm-hmm. to, to talk. To talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, that, yeah I, I, I mean, I talked about that. In the yeah, last you touched podcast. upon it. And I, I also, yeah, there's, I don't agree with that at all because I've, about, I've seen situations where where you need, like, things go south really fast, right, really second, fast. Yeah. And if you have a social worker there with no weapons, no training, nothing, they could become, they become a statistic real quick. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not forget, like, this is some of this, like, street life. And a, and a lot of these people that get hired, would I, let's say I'm a social worker. Would I want to be that guy that gets that call that needs to go into this <laughs> high crime neighborhood without any police officers having my back and I need to go there, like, just... Nothing, just like regular person, just to talk to this guy. Hey, and then these two people are fighting and arguing, yep. and I can't, I can't referee this. And now they're going. Now things are escalating. And now I'm just, I'm just part of this bubble of energy of of negativity. And now they're just aiming at me just because I'm here. Yeah, and that's a very you know I mean? specific type of no scenario. Officer, but yeah. but let me tell you, that could become a norm. I mean, we're, could. we're in New York here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're yeah. in New York. People here. take this advantage a, of any situation. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, like that's the question. Strangers get hit. These are the just questions. Being around the wrong no time. one, no one wants to address these questions. No one even brings up these questions. I think, like you brought it up in the last podcast, right. but these politicians, these guys that are saying like defund the police and reallocate resources to professionals to do some of the jobs they handle now. They, they haven't answered these questions. How do you pay these people? Are you going to give them hazard pay? Are you going to give them a weapon? Again, are you going to give them body cam? If you're going to send them out there on their own, how are they going to protect themselves? How are they going to raise up the police when they need the police to help them in a situation where things are going south? Are you going to put these social workers, these professionals with the cops as part of a three-man team in a patrol car? Or are you just going to keep them like in the precinct until they're needed to come over? How efficient is that? Right, mm-hmm. you just they're just going to be sitting around until they're needed. Well, like, instead of uh, hiring additional personnel, why not train police force with the necessary tools and and the knowledge of? Well, here's the thing: to, to de-escalate. All right, so so that's a that's a valid question, and and we do get training on this. Mm-hmm. We do get training. It might not be like as complete as people want it to be, but we do get this training, like hands-on scenarios. You know, uh, besides just like you know the book stuff, obviously. And, and, you know, a lot of it is just common sense as well. Hopefully most, I would say most people have it. Um, but the, these are things that you, you can't just keep saying, oh, train them, train them, train them, put them in training because all of this training takes time away from patrol and it also costs more as well. If you have cops going through like a year long academy, a two year long academy, like that's a huge investment for the city. Like the city thinks about things in terms of numbers. And I understand there's a lot of 
politics involved. There's a lot of money involved and a lot of decision making. And I and I think a lot of the times that can hold up the process. Yes, and it's it's very bureaucratic. And I'm not going to really. I don't know enough about it to really speak about it. Okay, who, so who should we aim at then? Who sh- who should like there? So obviously, the, we have the public here. We have the police officers here, right? And obviously, in this whole thing, what what the public wants and what the police officer needs wants, public needs wants. There's somebody here that's not that's dragging their feet or whatnot. That's there's a decision maker here that's going to go okay. Yes for the public, what they want, or yes for the public. So, who is it? The politicians? Is it like who's the one that's who's going? The CEO? Who's yeah, the CEO? Who's the one that's going to green light all this stuff it's, for the police officers, for the public? Like who? Who's that guy? The politicians are responsible. We don't, you know, they're the ones that ultimately decide where money goes. It's sort of like okay, if you want to defund us, you want to take away like traffic stops. I mean, not mm-hmm. traffic stops, um, car accidents. You want to take away uh, emotionally disturbed persons' jobs from us. Are you going to form like another separate entity that acts like the police but isn't the police to do those jobs to respond to back up like EMS at like an EDP Look, job you know like stuff right. like that I like get that. how do you do that and I think I think we that creates a whole set of other problems too are on mutual ground there I think what do you think about having a group that polices the police you mean like IAB internal affairs but more more third party kind of don't have yeah a we we have something like that it's independent called, commission well we we have the civilian complaint review board mm-hmm. that you know reviews misconduct and allegations of excessive force or foul language all that stuff we have internal affairs and then we also have like the units that are watching our body cam so we're we're already under like a lot of scrutiny we do get evaluated our sergeants evaluate us out in patrol like i think what people want is completely it's almost impractical. They want us to be like, I've read one comment by this guy named X2 on one of your podcasts. He's like saying, Oh, we should be held accountable like doctors and, and, uh, and teachers who do more with less every day. And I'm just like, you can't really compare like that type of, it's comparing apples to oranges because let's say you compare the doctors who support, who he's saying is doing more with less. Right. I can't think of a single incident before COVID-19 where people were saying doctors are they're constantly handcuffed with their hands behind their back doing their jobs. I've never heard that before COVID-19 where they were saying, oh, we got to do more with less uh, personnel and supplies. We're flying in doctors. That This is the only time I've ever heard that. So that's the apples to oranges comparison. And then he he talks about, oh, well, teachers do more with less every day. All right, so let me break it down for him, like right here in this podcast. Like, the NYPD has a budget of nearly six billion, right? Mm-hmm. With thirty-eight thousand cops, right? The Board of Education has seventy-five thousand teachers, and they have a budget of twenty-four billion. That's four times more than what we have. The NYPD police polices nine million people. Teachers teach on an average of, like, one teacher to thirteen students no way one to 13 students it's, it's not true but in any case no way that's, like my, that's amazing my but point is classrooms you, are well beyond that right it's well beyond that it could be upwards of like one to 30 yeah. or something yeah. i know teachers you know yeah. they they definitely deal with more students one to than 13 i'm like wow what, where can i put my less. kids in? That's, <laughs> but, but what's that's a great ratio but what's what's the ratio of nypd like one police officer to how many in nine million 
Yeah, but how many of it's those? It's two hundred thirty-six people. people, one to two thirty-six. So who is doing more with less? But but not all nine million are are doing right. Of course, at the same. But if you break it down purely by a numerical basis and financial basis, six billion budget compared to twenty-four billion, twice the manpower that we have, and way less people to police. Again, apples and oranges. I don't yeah, think you can and compare and I don't two. think like when he says that it's a fair comparison. And then he goes on to talk about. Oh well, the NYPD should be defunded because they spend like money on cool gadgets. I'm like, what cool gadgets are you talking about? Our body cam, the iPad Pro, you know, my, my mobile <laughs> updated uh, Tesla no, uh, police car. <laughs> yeah. All jokes aside, uh, it's just uh, the cool gadgets, as in the militarized stuff that you guys may not need. It may seem really excessive well and that that well, could be untrue like um, right, i think lex, that's we had lex on the, that's what on a lot i think that's what the commenter and, and he, uh and he was alluding to. i don't the, think he's alluding to your handgun okay or, right, so or let that, me or. let me just address that i was going to finish that thought um so you know the cool gadgets that i have i don't have an ar-15 hanging around in my trunk i have a shield in my trunk mm. with some ballistic vests and ballistic helmets which i need because god forbid we get a school shooting right I think that's necessary. I think it's fair to have that. So I don't think you can say that that's military gadgets or fancy gadgets. I have a cell phone that lets me do my job more efficiently uh, because I don't have to wait on the radio dispatcher to give me a job. I can see it on my phone. Mm-hmm. I could do all that stuff on my own. I could take initiative. Uh, what else do I have? I got a taser and a body camera. That's, that's about as much as I get in terms of fancy gadgets. And you know what about the taser and the body camera? Those are required for me because you, the public wanted more transparency body camera and you wanted more non-lethal force options a taser now people say like i mean people get this misconception that the nypd is militarized like how are we militarized because we have some units that have uh fancy equipment like high high rate of fire weapons we need that well remember Mm 9-11 we forgot about that right Mm -hmm. did we forget about that (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so we have it, those for a reason. Right. So does it make sense? I mean, obviously, you know, being in NYC, it's always going to be high alert. We have to right. take consideration to that. But is it necessary to have that on a consistent basis? Because uh, when, when Les was mentioning um, a, in the last podcast, he talked about how the additional budget that's not spent, it goes into m- these gadgets, you know? Um, and right, obviously, to, it's not. It's not the. It's, we're not talking about the um, the entire police department. We're talking about a specific part of the police department. Right. What people don't understand, also, if they don't, if they don't work within like a certain setting, sometimes they don't realize that the money that is allocated to you, it's use it or lose it. You forfeit that true. stuff. That's true. So sometimes that's with a lot of companies. Do. Yeah, that's the way and it operates. It's like an FSA account. Yeah. It's use it or yeah, lose it. Use it or lose it. And if you don't use that budget. Then the way when they run their numbers, the accountants you don't the, need it. They go, oh, you don't need it, so they give you a less budget the next yeah. year. And then they're so you have every incentive, yeah. So you have every incentive to use up all that capital or yeah. the budget within that program because if you don't, they're going to give you less of it next year. They're going to say, oh, we're overfunding this. They don't really need it. Mm-hmm. That's the way they look at it, but they don't really drill down further. They just look on the the surface of the numbers. Right. It, it's nice nice to say, oh yeah, they're militarized. They spend on gadgets that they don't need. Well. I guess uh, NYC isn't a terrorist target then, I guess. You know, we shouldn't be prepared for that. We shouldn't be prepared for riots. Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, I but don't think it, of riot as like a very fancy piece of uh, military equipment, right? But does it make <laughs> sense to you know really look down at the the the, the programs and the the resources and and kind of look at you know does it make sense to reallocate those funds instead of to militarizing that unit of the the, the police department? Well, we and, need that unit, right? We, we need, need that. We, yeah, we do to counter for counterterrorism. But can we reallocate some of that funding to? Uh, other programs, you know, resource, uh, community resource, and and stuff like that, uh, in the police department. That's those units instead, and instead of going to, to the, you know, militarization of of those units. Well, we already have like a budget allocated to community affairs, mm-hmm. right? We have. Well, it's probably every, not very every very precinct. High. I, I, well, I don't I know the assume. I don't know the exact numbers, obviously, yeah. and and again, like the funding is sometimes use it or lose it. I don't know the specifics of how it works mm-hmm. for NYPD. I'm not like the fiscal accountant or like yeah, who's the CFO? Who's the CEO? We need to know who's accountable. Wh- whoever it is, I mean, they would know. They would be able to answer. And you could have put in a FOIL request if you really were so inclined to find out. Mm-hmm. It might take a while for them to get back to you, but <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. You know, like I think it's it, it's very easy to say to reallocate it, but it's very hard to also like say, oh, well, this expense isn't justified because you can always justify something. Mm-hmm. You can always justify something. It might not seem like to the layman, it's like, why do you need to spend X amount on military gear? Mm-hmm. Well, some of that military gear expires, right? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. useful life expires. You got to maintain it. You know, all this stuff costs money. It's just, you can't just make it go away just because you want it to. Mm-hmm. So reallocating is, it, it's, it's a tough job. Like, I don't envy the guy that who has to, who has to balance the numbers. Yeah. And, and you know, like, it, it's, it, it's, it's just, we can talk in circles about this all day and no one would be, ever be satisfied with the answers. And, I mean, I don't I, think, I don't think the, the conversation is to find answers and to satisfy everybody. It's about having that conversation, right? right and people Obviously, don't want to have it. People don't want to have a right. full-length discussion because everyone, like Will said, is and, and uh, your your last guest Lex, they mentioned it. Everyone wants to be on one side of the spectrum. You can't mm-hmm. can't be in the center. Like you can't. Once you're in the center, you're like, oh well, you're against me. Like this mm-hmm. and that. And you, it's just it's very hard to talk people out of like a certain pattern of thought. It's just hard. And you got guys like that Chow guy. I mentioned him earlier. Like he said, oh well, all cops should have malpractice insurance. Well, how much does malpractice insurance cost? How, who, who's going to underwrite it? Tell me. Nobody. Nobody can tell me that. I'll tell you how much malpractice insurance costs. On, for an NYPD officer, starting salary is 42000 right? Do, do doctors cover their own malpractice insurance? Private, does... doctors, private doctors are required to maintain malpractice right. insurance. Okay. So here but you if go. you're working in a hospital. So if you're in, in a hospital, hospital, the hospital might pay for you. Mm-hmm. But here's how much it costs a private pediatrician. It costs them $20,000 for malpractice insurance. A pediatrician. Internal medicine, thirty thousand a year, mm-hmm. and it goes up the riskier the the uh, skill right. profession is. Like if you're a surgeon, or if you're like an anesthesiologist, well, guess what? Your premiums are through the roof. So you're gonna tell me, like, I mean, I'm not. It's not an apples to oranges comparison, obviously. Doctors and uh, and cops, but if you're gonna require a cop that is exposed to situations where physicality is involved and death is always on the table, how do you? How do you calculate the premium that that cop needs to make? Let's say it is $20,000 a year. That's half. That's 
a little less than half of a starting cop salary. Mm-hmm. You're, you're telling them you can't have a shield and you can't have a gun unless you pony up $20,000 to pay for malpractice insurance. Who's going to want to be a cop? You're going to be working at a loss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to eat. You got to pay rent. You're going to be negative. So and, what's the answer here? Like, I mean, it's not what the current system is not the perfect one, but is the one we have. And obviously the one that now that you just itemized it and broke it down it it, obviously it's not it's not practical so like how do we proceed here then i mean i i really don't know how we proceed i don't get paid to make those decisions so thank thank goodness do you think (laughs) it's unenviable but just to go back on the the malpractice insurance like even if we were to get malpractice insurance for ourselves the city still has to pay for insurance for us because we're considered city employees like people don't know this for some reason like if you want something you might want to go research it and just kind of look into what it actually entails for us to get stuff like this like even at top pay if you earn a hundred thousand dollars as a cop eighty five thousand whatever it is that's still a substantial portion of your salary if it's twenty thousand dollars pre-tax we got to pay other things, you know. We got to pay for uniform upkeep. We got to pay for our weapons maintenance. There's a lot of things that we have to pay for. People don't realize this. So do you think and training if I mean there's there's obviously a major disconnect between the officers what you guys go through um and public perception. Right. Right? I mean because a lot of it's now just uh just for the most part, you guys make headlines when, for the most part, police officers make headlines when they do something wrong. When uh, there's there's a, a drastic use of force. And then we go on the full offensive and say, I mean, there's people that say, and I hear people say, we need to tear the whole shit down and rebuild it. I don't, I don't think that's the answer. Uh, but I do think that at some point, we do need to build a bridge where it's neutral and and i know you you know you touched on it where where uh there's a lot of people that don't want to have that conversation but we need people to understand that we need to have that conversation which is why we also brought you on the podcast. i know lex we had him on the podcast he's he seems to lean very far to the left uh kenny we had him he's a little bit more to the right okay and i wanted to get you know someone from the inside to actually talk about, you know, because I hear that's one of the things I hear people talk about what the police should be doing. But I'm, I was always in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, what does a police officer think they should be doing? Because they have a completely different perspective than what we have. Right. And, and it's, it's just the whole process is just very exhausting. Like mm-hmm. when you really sit down and you want to talk about it, you want to talk to people who lean a certain way about it. But it's very difficult. I mean, I don't have, I don't know what the middle ground would be, but I think a big part of the solution, like to solve this, like, I guess, um, this huge chasm that exists between us and the public, I think it requires the public to do some soul searching themselves too. Like, how are we raising our kids? You know, what are we teaching them? Like, what are we looking at? Like, how come everyone is so anti-police? Where are these attitudes coming from? And I get it. Sometimes you have a bad interaction with a police officer. I just- had, personally, you know, you touched it right there. Growing up, I had mostly bad interactions with police officers. Okay. And it wasn't because I was instigating anything, probably whatever. It's literally because 
if I'm like, for example, even all the way up to college, I would get pulled over and I did everything right. Or I would get followed mm-hmm. for several miles until the point where I forgot where I was going. <laughs> like I'm constantly looking. I'm like, holy crap. Like I make a left. He makes a left. I make a right. I make a right. And I'm, I, I feel like they're waiting for me to just do something. up. Yeah. And I know that I'm even putting one and one together. He's not going exactly where I'm going. And I don't even know where I'm going anymore. Like I'm so paranoid looking at this guy and they go, Oh, if you, if you have nothing in your car, where well, you have to be paranoid because I know that they could come by. Number one, I'm a broke college kid. Right. If you find a reason to give me a ticket, I can't afford that ticket. Now I have to choose between that and a meal, you know, so that, that was, that was tough for me. And I didn't have anything illegal during college. I'm just a college kid, right? That's one. So when I was a kid, I would get, you know, abused by cops. Yeah. Like, uh, I was just walking and I had guns pull on me. Mm-hmm. And, um, if I'm just hanging at the park with my friends, playing basketball, waiting for a friend. And, you know, cops, they come and abuse. I mean, cause, and again, there was a lot of gangs in that area. So I could, you know, I could say that's why probably they were assuming that, um, we were probably all affiliated when it was just me and a bunch of kids playing basketball. Right. Uh, several bad run-ins with police as a kid, but I also had several good run-ins with police officers. And I have friends that are police officers and they're damn good people. I think at some point though, we do need to, meet in the middle and have a discussion, show more transparency. I think transparency here is key because we're both, I feel like police officers and the public are both very defensive right now. So you're both defensive and now because of that, you're also on the offensive towards each other. And when we're doing like, when we're both trying to take each other's eyes out, you know, we're not, we're not able to see anything except for what we want to see as police officers or as a public of what we see police officers as. And I, you know, I don't want to blanket it and say, well, the whole public hates us. And I don't want to blanket it and say all police officers are bad. I think we need to create that bridge where we can just meet in the middle, a safe zone where we could have this discussion. Right. And, and we actually do have that kind of safe zone, like a program that's similar to that. Um, but, you know, like, like I said, it's a very, the solution is a multifaceted one. It you is. have to have community people, you have to have them involved, and you have to, people have to take responsibility for their kids and raising them the right way. It, it definitely helps. Like, I'm not saying that every, like, you know, people are just raising their kids wrong in general, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't help when you, you're telling your kid, hey, you did something wrong. I'm going to get the police to arrest you. <laughs> like, that's the worst you're already creating a negative in, con, like negative association right there, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. what the freak? Like, why are you vil- villainizing us already? But just to go back to meeting in the middle, we have these programs like neighborhood co- the Neighborhood Coordination Officer Program where they host monthly meetings with the community. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, you can spread the word of mouth, but do people show up? Right. So you I think that would help? Because Kenny was a big advocate for that, where he said... If the community worked with the police, met with them more, yeah. talked to them. We do this monthly. We do this monthly. Four times a month, in fact. And like, it's always a low turnout. It's always a low turnout. Like, I've been to these, these community so how, meetings. How, I, and I think, because I think part of the low turnout is because it's not marketed. It is marketed. We send out the flyers. We tell the community liaisons that we have to spread the word, either through churches, businesses. We spread mm-hmm. these things. It's not that we don't. But do is it. it is it marketed in the right direction? I I mean, you listen, know, it may be marketed to the people that 
are going, well, the police don't bother me, so I don't need to show up. Well, here's the thing. Like, how do you effectively market it without people like kind of just crapping on it sometimes? Like you could hand out flyers, right? Mm -hmm. You could post them up on stores. You could do it by word of mouth. People would just scoff at it or they rip off the flyer. You can't control that. You know what I mean? And sometimes people are just so busy that they just don't show up. But at these community board meetings, you get to voice your problems to the police. Like, what's going on in the neighborhood? Like, this is this is a very good way for us to understand what this section of the neighborhood needs. But sometimes the people who attend, mm-hmm. they're not representative of that actual portion of the precinct. So, mm-hmm. so you know, I worked in that pretty heavy command. I'm right. not going to say what it was, obviously, but, you know, it was it was busy. Like, yeah. I had a very busy command. Robberies, emotionally disturbed people, car crashes all day long. Right. And, like, the people who needed to come to these meetings, the people who who live on the blocks where there are the most problems, they don't come. They don't come. Is that, is that because there's a fear? Or is there... Um... It's a safe space. It's in a church. Right. Do, but, you, do you think that, um, I mean, it's been communicated to these communities? They do know. It's mm-hmm. not that they don't know. We spread the word. Our neighborhood coordination officers, they go out there and they post the flyers. They do what they can, social media. It's mm-hmm. up to people. Do you to think take, it would help if they illness. actually did come out? Kenny was a big advocate of that. He thinks I that think, would help dramatically. I think it would help. But at the same time, like some, like the people that turn out for these, they don't live in those problem areas. They don't mm-hmm. live there. Mm-hmm. So, so, so do the, you think the part of the problem is in the problematic areas, which a lot of people aren't discussing, should have some type of community leader, whether it's a gang member leader or it's someone that has a lot of influence within that block or that area to come out to these and go, hey, look, this is what we need on our neighborhood. Even if it was a gang leader, you think in a way, would, would he be kind of putting a target on his back or would... I mean, it's a safe space, but at the same time, he's kind of exposing himself. Right. I mean, the cynical part of me would say that that's, that's pretty much a ludicrous suggestion like for, for a gang member to like rally other people in that neighborhood well, to come. Because I'll, I'll use because an example. Thing. Like, wait, wait, for wait, wait, example, here, Snoop Dogg, here's the thing. Nipsey Hussle. Okay. Well, they came out met with the community and they're yes, known to be affiliated. But they're, they're big. They're big time. Right. Like, rec- they hugely recognize, right. like these guys. That if you if you were to say, "Oh, I'm gonna get a gang member liaison from this particular block to come to my community board meeting," mm-hmm. it's I don't know. It's just the really, really whatever. Because he's gonna find out if some if someone else from his neighborhood comes to that meeting and voices it's a complaint. A it's a wrap for you. Yeah, like snitches get stitches, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you know it's true. Well, snitching's cool now. No, I don't know if it's that cool. All right, I think 69 made it cool. Guess what? That gang member, he could be like the, the lieutenant or the captain of that gang. Right. And guess what? He's going to make your life miserable on that block. But it, it's entirely what possible. What if it was like a Jedi mind trick? You know, where they're like, hey, I'm going to talk to the cops. We're going to try to get, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing to navigate. It's, it's tough. Like, like I said, I'm not making fun of your suggestion, obviously. Like your examples with Snoop Dogg. Obviously. I'm playing I mean, devil's advocate. This Snoop Dogg and these guys, they're like huge. So yeah, there's, there's, there's not basis been, for comparison. Uh, these small time gang yeah, members. But, but, but here's, a, here's the thing though. Yeah. Look, a lot of these people in these neighborhoods, in their communities, they don't want police violence. They don't want police to interfere 
with what they do, especially when they're not committing a crime. I can tell you that that's for damn sure. And that's where the over-policing comes. So I think it is possible for leaders in the community, whether they're affiliated or not, to want to come and reach some dialogue with the police on how to improve the neighborhood by working together, at least create a bridge where it's it's not always as intense. Well, because like I, like at I the said, same yeah. time, if you got... Look, even if I was a gang member, let's say I'm a gang member and I live in this neighborhood, but I got my kids here. I got my grandmom out here. I got you know, people I love here and it's constantly... Like I'm walking, I got to worry about the police coming at me. I got to worry about, and I may not be doing anything wrong, but just because the police know me or the police know that this part of the neighborhood, this block right here, if I'm walking it, I'm, I'm part of this group. Maybe, maybe I, I will talk to my guys or all the people in the neighborhood go, Hey, maybe we should, maybe it's not a bad, we're not snitching, but we're just telling the police, yo, relax. We're good here. And we're in a safe zone where we could create a dialogue. Like, yo, you don't got to be so intense. Like, look, as long as we keep it quiet, we agree to keep it quiet here. We won't, you know, the killings, the murders, like, you ain't going to see that shit. We're gonna, we'll control it, right? And in return, you guys chill the fuck out. Stop coming at us so hard. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, so- let's say if they could come to, would that ever be possible for the police? And if, let's say, a gang leader or community leader... Or whatever said, hey, whatever, and they may not be gang leaders. They could be a community leader, then like a old timer on the block that's well respected by yeah, the like gang, church leader, yeah. leader in the community, or a priest or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, and they they, yeah. they want to talk to the gang members. Hey, if you guys stop killing each other for a hot damn second, I could talk to the police officers, and then if the numbers are down, they can they can just chill out a bit. Okay. Can you so, agree to that? So so here's the thing, like. We actually have meetings like that where we try to rope in these gang leaders into a meeting with like the captain of the precinct. You said rope in. <laughs> well, not ro- okay. Well, maybe not rope in. <laughs> but, but yeah, I get. What we you try mean. to get them involved right. to you know resolve this issue of you know everybody right. shooting each other or doing whatever it is that they're doing to each other to try to calm it down. But the thing is, like, even if you did all that, like if you told them, "Oh, hey, uh, we need you to kind of help us with." controlling the violence in your block mm-hmm. they might listen to you for a second they might even abide for it for a second mm-hmm. but eventually somebody in a neighborhood that doesn't like them they're going to call about them because those guys are probably apt to hang on hang at the corner deli and guess what we have to respond and how do you think the gang members are going to receive that they're going to see it as yo man we we freaking listened to you we came to a meeting we heard you out mm-hmm. we did what we could you know we kept the kept it good here mm-hmm. and now you're coming at us and bothering us again someone breaks a treaty in some way no mm-hmm. it, it's not even someone it's someone that lives on that block that doesn't like what's happening and mm-hmm. the thing is you can't leave that block alone even if you got their word that hey we're gonna keep things on the low here we're mm-hmm. gonna keep it good we're gonna keep it quiet for you so you don't have to keep coming here mm-hmm. you know no. no, you guys still Someone, have to patrol. We still have to patrol, but we, then we but leave then, you. We leave you alone. But we leave you alone. But police You're doesn't patrol do like that in the in the good areas. Why do you have to patrol all the time? Like well, I'm you, playing devil's advocate, okay? Right. Um, like in the nice areas, police. I don't see. I mean, I see police patrolling, but it's not as drastic as in the other areas, high well, crime areas. But I obviously like listen to what I just said there. 
police are patrolling more in high crime areas. That's a good thing. Right. But what I'm saying is that the high crime areas can reduce it to the point where the crime rate is lower or it may be a lower income neighborhood. But if the crime rate can be reduced to the numbers that's satisfactory, would we even need that over policing? Is that even necessary? Or is there like, I don't know, this has been rumored, but is there like a quota, uh, especially for younger cops new to the force? Do they need to show a lot of activity, a lot of ticket writing, a lot of arrests, right? Mm -hmm. And then they're just going to create a demand? Because part of it's like, when I go, whenever I, I appeared in court, Mm-hmm. Right, whether it's for a ticket a violation or whatnot, and I'm pleading not guilty, and I'm fighting my ticket or whatever. And every time I've been to court since, I, mostly because of college, they and I'll tell you what, where I went to college, everyone I saw in court were all minorities. They were either Asians, Mexicans, Blacks, or Hispanics. Like it was just, it was people of color. Okay, and maybe one white guy. Okay, okay, and there were like a whole bunch of us in that room. So. Um, and, and that's apparent here too. Okay. If they get the quote, the numbers down, not the quota, I'll get into the quota part for the second right. in a second. Right. So even if they got the number down, like we still have to go somewhere. We have to justify our existence. Right. right. So we still have to patrol and it, it's always a perception thing. Like whether or not we over police mm-hmm. or we're just occupying or mm-hmm. whatever. It's a perception thing. We have to go in circles. And what do you, like you said, you, you touched on it before. And, uh, you know, we're going to circle the problem blocks. We're going to be there because we have to be there. Right. But if, what it, if that problem blo- – my point it, is, what if that problem block was not a problem block anymore? Well, how do you assess that? If the numbers are down, there's no phone calls. There's no 911 calls. There's no killings. There's no murders. It's the people that are in that community said they police themselves to the point where they say, look – we're, they wouldn't we gotta, need us anymore. We got to be low key. Then they wouldn't need us anymore, and they would and, have free and, reign. And the, well, we're not that they them, don't need you. They, obviously, they'll need you guys as like an insurance, right. just in case something happens. But you guys don't constantly need to worry about your back and constantly having to look for something that's not there. Well, the thing is, we have to patrol it. Like, if we gave them free reign mm-hmm. to just okay, well, we're gonna leave you alone because crime is down here, nothing's happening here. We did everything. You don't have to come here anymore. We can't. We can't. I just mean, aggressively. That, that makes sense like, because to me, that creates. No, that makes sense it, to me. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, as aggressively, as aggressively. But how can you kind of? What? How do you judge, judge how aggressive yeah. okay. like, our patrols are? We're gonna look, look go at around. any look at any good neighborhood. I see police patrolling. Good affluent. What? It's yeah. It, 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 like you know, good schools, multi million dollar properties, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Right. I see police patrolling. Right. But it's it's they're. No one feels worried about police presence in those neighborhoods. When they see a police officer, it's "Hey, how you doing?" They move on. They keep it moving. Right. Right. I'm sure you you, you know that as wow. well. Like certain guys got good neighborhoods where you're like, ah, you're damn lucky. And then you got other folks in the high crime areas. It's a different. It's it's like, oh shit, man. Like you right away look at this person like like mm. you know like an enemy right over. Like you said like. They're raised to to they have negative interactions with police officers. So now right away it's just like mm. and then so they're giving that energy off. The police is just gonna uh, reinforce whatever they thought about the police. So okay. it, it's just ah, I'm right. I told y'all they were all okay. assholes. So so here I, I mean I'll I'll delve into the quota system since we touched upon mm-hmm. like the interactions and everything right. too. So 
it's because I always hear them. They always deny it. It's they always deny it. And I'm like, man, that's got to be a okay. quota. Well, I'll get in. You I'll mean, get into that. You mean ticketing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. they have to show like activity. I, mean, I feel like the I mean, young cops. I, I think that's the, already like, the older. Kind of given. I, it's I, always, I know it's true. It's always young. there's a documentary that's done on oh, it. Really? So because there's there's always it's because there's always young cops that get at me. Yeah, it's not it's not the older guys. Okay, so, so you know what? the older guys are just like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, hey, what's up? But the young guys, for example, one time I got pulled over, I literally just made a left at a green light. It wasn't anything, and. And, uh, it, but it was in like Jamaica, Queens. Mm-hmm. It was in one of the lower income neighborhoods. And I've never experienced this anywhere else except I always get fucked with in lo- when I go to these lower income neighborhoods. Okay. And, and I'm Asian, but it doesn't even matter. Like they, they, these guys look at me like, I feel like they look at, oh, he's a, he's a minority. What is he, or is he's Asian? What is he doing here? And they're going to pull me over, talk to me. And then when there's nothing on me, the, the guy gave, I left with four tickets. <laughs> What the hell do you For, do? I, I was, I, and I plead not guilty to them all, but, okay. but, um, and the judge found me not guilty. I mean, okay, I was, so I explained good. it to the judge. I was just like, I was super respectful. But what I'm saying is like, I was also respectful to the police officer and there was a bunch of them on feet and a guy pulled me over on feet. Oh, so you got, you got pulled over at a checkpoint basically. Then. It wasn't a checkpoint. These guys were just walking around. Sounds like a checkpoint. Maybe it wasn't, <laughs> I, but I didn't, it wasn't like a typical checkpoint if it's, if it's where, that. I've been checkpoint before. What are you talking about? Where, there's a course, station. Like sobriety cop, cop and stuff like that. Cars. Usually on the weekends. But this was like my wife and I were just going to the gym. I mean, I don't know. I was, I don't know and what I was driving through there. Jamaica to uh, because where I, I, we went to go get food. And there's a spot near Jamaica, right. Queens, that, that, I, that I like. So okay. went to go get food. And I was driving my way towards the gym through Jamaica. And then uh, they pulled me over. And then I, they were like, <laughs> the dude was desperately looking for something with his flashlight, his partner. And I just felt, I felt like, like, yo, that's fucked up what they're doing. It just, something in me right here, it just didn't sit right. I really felt like they didn't give a fuck about my life, mm-hmm. that they, they wanted to get their numbers up. That's what I saw. And, and they just, they really didn't care about me. Like, like I was just another prick to them. Okay. So you're just another number for them. So, so but here. not even that, but I was just like a piece of meat. Like I wasn't okay. shit to these guys. Okay. So I'll cover that first part. I'll cover the first part first and then we'll delve Four into tickets. This. I don't know what you got the tickets for. I, I might have to look you up. <laughs> yeah. Look me up because, <laughs> what the heck do you because do? you know what the, I mean, the judge found me not guilty. <laughs> I'm not going to look you up. You know, so you can look me up. I don't care. <laughs> No, I can't. You know, lower his credit score, bro. Just don't lower my credit score, man. <laughs> so, so you know, like yeah. the you you drew the distinction between a good neighborhood and a bad neighborhood, like yeah. and how police patrol and there's all a that. difference. Well, here's the thing with bad bad neighborhoods and good patrol and good neighborhoods. I mean, I've had the fortune of actually being in a bad. Oh, can you talk about precinct. quota before you jump into that? Uh, I'll, I'll get into quarters. Right, I, I'm okay. sure you want to get into it, but no, no. Um, I just I want to know that I never. No, I always I, they always deny it, and I, I feel I, like I, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Um, so, so the good neighborhood and the bad neighborhood thing, like there definitely is a different vibe in uh, how you police and everything. Um, part of it is like the training that you get sometimes, being tactically aware of your surroundings and considerations like when you do car stops or if you go into a building, you're going to do this, that, and the third before you actually enter. So um, the mindset in a a uh, community that is not as well off, like I would say that the people, and I'm not going to stereotype everybody, but um, the interactions that I've had, like let's say on car stops in the in the precinct that I started out at, which, which was a lot busier and uh, lower income, Mm-hmm. You know, my car interactions are all negative. 
you know, I, I start off by saying, hello, sir, my name is blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped you because this is like, what do you want, Dick Ryder? No. That, that's yeah. the first thing that comes out. You got to fill a quota. Here, here's my license and my registration. Yeah, Go yeah. do your thing. Like, yeah. that's the attitude I get. And, yeah. and you know, it's not confined to just that one and that's interaction. Just so you said lower income neighborhoods are yeah. usually more combative. Yeah, they're just combative off the bat. And I'm not going to say everybody because mm-hmm. there are some really, really nice people in, like, these neighborhoods mm-hmm. that work hard. They do what they want to do. They want to feel protected. But you have this element that just... Just ver- that's just very anti-police, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. every interaction you have with them, regardless of whether it's good or not, um, they, it always like it's never enough. Like one time, I you know, uh, hopefully I don't get in trouble for this, but you know, just don't uh, name names. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna get in trouble for it because I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. You know, I saw an old guy, he's drinking a beer. You know, in public, okay. I could have given him a summons. Right. I saw he was an older dude. He he was compliant. I was like, "Hey, what's in the bag?" He mm-hmm. said, "It's alcohol, officer." And I was like, "Okay, uh, you know, I thought about it. I don't have the discretion to issue that ticket or not." Mm-hmm. And decided not to t- ticket him. I took the beer. I said, "Sir, I'm going to take this. I'm going to throw it out, mm-hmm. and I would like for you to respect my authority. And I'm just going to ask you to go home." Mm-hmm. He complied. So th- th- discretion. Yeah, you're one works. of the good ones, man. I mean, I've seen officers like that too. I mean, that, listen, did, that did just what you did before. Yeah. I seen people publicly drinking, and the officers didn't overdose on anything. They were just like, "Hey, come on!" Yeah, just and, and so the, they were just enforcing the law, and they and they just made them spill everything. Yeah, and I'm just pour like, some out for the homies, and yeah. then just throw it away. It's, it's a twenty five dollars summons. Yeah. Like he's an old dude. I'm not gonna exercise. Like I'm not gonna give him 20, like a twenty five dollars right. ticket that he might not answer, and then he gets a warrant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's my discretion. I could do it. I could definitely run him you know, warrant check, all that stuff, you know, and I did, I actually did run them just to be sure on the safe side. Cause right. you never know who you got. Right. I understand right. that. So, that makes sense to me. Right. So I let him go, you know, but then there's people, you give them discretion, like in, in the low income neighborhood that I worked at before I went to another precinct, mm-hmm. you know, like you give them discretion. Like, so I stopped this guy for running a red light. Mm-hmm. I get up to his car. Hey, my name is whatever from whatever precinct. I stopped you because of this. Right off the bat, he's like, "I didn't run no red light." Mm-hmm. That's that's already extra because yeah, I, cops like, usually like come up and they don't say anything. I know, and I'm <laughs> like, I'm giving you everything up front, and you're giving me attitude. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the reason why I want to ticket you. Mm-hmm. You just gave me a reason to want to ticket you, mm-hmm. and I'll see you in court. I'll gladly mm-hmm. see you in court, yeah. traffic court for that red light. Right. And, you know, you know, he ended up being having a suspended license, so I arrested him. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. But you know. Why are you starting off combative? Like, there is no need for that. Like, I respectfully gave you the reason, my name, my badge number, everything, my precinct. I gave you everything you needed to know about me. And I gave you the infraction. But yet you still felt like you needed to be, like, a jerk. I just, I feel that it's it's, it's a deeper rooted issue then. If if it's, like, right off the bat, it's combative. There's that relationship that's established somehow in the past or whatever, historically. And that's why this person is, like, yeah, I'm gonna. Right. I'm and, right and off the, the bat. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be like, I, I don't. I don't respect you, and that's the way I feel towards you, because due to some past discretion, indiscretion, whatever. Right, and that goes to Will's question about you know tickets and you know seeing a lot of minorities at mm-hmm. at traffic court or whatever right. court you went ended up at. Now, like, it is what it is. We have a job. This this is part of what we do. And how, how come it's always people of color though? 
Well, the thing is, I don't know how. I mean, everywhere. Oh, okay. So every time you tell so, me everybody of color that are, are, are like lawbreakers. Yeah, like, and in just, his situation, he was being nice. So it's not about being like, nice. Here's the thing, and he's still like. Here, here's the thing, like you know, it's the officer's discretion to exercise his uh, ability to write a ticket. And so I'll tell you, what, it's completely up to them. If if I if I were aggressive like that, if I was combative right off the bat, I would have got, I would have got. They would have dragged me out. Like I know that energy I felt right away. He was, you can tell, like I've I've been in fights before, right. and 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 some people they don't want it, and some people want it. They're looking for it. They're just like, please say something so I can fight you. Please get on my nerves, you know. And 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 that was like when I got pulled over, I could tell right away because I said, "Excuse me, what am I being pulled over for?" He was like, "License registration." I was like, "Sure." And I gave him, "What am I being pulled over for?" And I could just. <laughs> See that scathing look, and he's looking at me like, "All right, you just sit in there, like pretty much just shut up and be a good boy." I'm gonna go run this, right? And and, and, and <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna deny that there are cops like that because yeah. I can't. I Those can't, are the bad. I can't. No, but check this out. Say that when he cops. was in court, one on one, not with his boys. Yeah, I think maybe he was putting on a, a a show for the boys. I don't know. When it was just one on one, yeah, I talked to him. Cool dude. I was like, man, I could have a beer with this guy. Like we could just chill and have a beer. He was so cool. Like literally, like because I didn't give him negative energy in court. Right. I was just like, I was respect for everything, and I was like, I kind of just want to get to know the human behind that. And we kind of just chatted for a good minute. Yeah. And then the judge asked him a question, and he says, "Did you check his blinker for this and this and that?" And he was like, "No." Oh, so he had a reason to toss out the ticket then? Of course, yeah. The, the, the judge. That's why the yeah. judge said because he didn't he didn't have proof and and he didn't check and he answered the judge honestly. Right. And and you know, so then he tossed out my tickets. And then when I was walking towards the elevator or whatever, or the reception, or whatever, towards the same area as him, it, we were just kind of like, like just talking about regular shit. Yeah. And I'm just, and I could feel that energy where we, we connected so easily. And I'm just like, man, this dude, like he went from like that night, I felt like he couldn't give a fuck. He could put two bullets in my head. Like he didn't give a fuck. He could have arrested me. He could have just ruined my life. Or that day at the courthouse, we, we just like, it was all good. It was right. like we, he was my my boy. Like I felt like immediately connection, immediate connection. There was an immediate connection, and I was just like, "That's crazy, man." Right, and, and you know the thing is, like, you might have caught him on a bad day. You might have caught him because he got yelled at by a supervisor for not, you know, being uh, being as good a cop as he could be. Because we do get reviewed. Do get reviewed. You mean as active as he should be? Yeah, I mean. That's how we get measured. Like people want to have a set of standards to evaluate us. So, like, how do you evaluate a cop as a sergeant? Right? Mm -hmm. You're gonna look at your cops, your platoon. You're gonna look at okay, this guy has uh, he's done this, that, and the third. Right? So, the easiest criteria to evaluate an officer on is uh, okay, how active are you in policing, enforcement activity, whether it's summonses or arrests? Like, that's an easy one. That's a very easy metric to get. Like the hardest metric to get is how good are you at interacting with people in the community, like your social skills, your civility, humanity. Mm-hmm. That are those metrics even? They they are metrics. For? They they actually are. And there's a there's also criteria for like okay does I this? I think that's great that they do. That. I right. didn't even know that was awesome. And, and so we have that. But I'm just saying, like the summonses, yeah. enforcement activity is the easiest criteria. It's a low hanging fruit, right? Right. But the hard criteria is: it, does this officer know what is expected of him on a daily basis? Is there initiative? How does he interface with the community? Does he represent 
department in a positive light. How are his interactions with the community? See, and, I don't and, think most people know that. I didn't and, know and that. They I think know. that's beautiful. And and you have, that they have that in place, right? And we have this in place, but people rag on us like, oh well, they should be evaluated constantly, like doctors and teachers, for example. But evaluated in what sense? Like just your knowledge, or? your knowledge of like policing, uh, your your area of patrol. Do you know the mm-hmm. conditions that are prevalent here? I think that's valid, though. It, right? it, these are all valid things. But here here's how people don't understand, like. A sergeant is assigned like X amount of cops, and he has he can't constantly follow every single cop to see if they're doing the right thing. He can't he can't go to a job. So he can't micromanage. He can't micromanage. Every single... Doctors and teachers they can be micromanaged because if you're a resident in a, in a hospital, right, you're always getting tested, orally tested by your the the senior guy or whatever. You can't you're getting tested on how much you know, you're getting evaluated on based on your interaction with patients. At the teacher side, you have people sitting in on your lesson plans, right? right, right. There's constant reviews. You have parent-teacher conferences that review you. So, you know, a sergeant is not going to follow you everywhere and micromanage you and go to your job. Like, let's say you go to a domestic violence job. You handled it. Then your sergeant comes over. Do you honestly expect him to, like, to prioritize interviewing the person you just interviewed to see if you did a good job like was this officer civil to you like did he answer everything that was of concern for you like what I mean, is but this? you guys have body cam now. can't yeah, they just we have body cams the footage we don't always we don't always turn them on for certain situations because let's face it it costs money storage costs money mm-hmm. and you know so they have guidelines on when you activate the camera and when you don't Probably like on a high, um, high stressful situation yeah, where it's it, like it might be altercation. A, a so crime that's, in progress, yeah. for example, or like a domestic violence job where there's violence involved. Like we have to turn it on, right? Yeah. We're not going to turn it on for like something like oh, stray dog. <laughs> How about a domestic <laughs> abuse call, like or something like that? If, if it comes over like a, a certain way, if yeah. it comes over a certain way, if it's just a dispute, like we don't necessarily have to turn it on. Like if you want to protect yourself, you can. Mm-hmm. But you know it's discretionary. But just to go back to to that whole point, like, well, yeah, we do get measured. But is a sergeant really going to find all these instances where they can catch you doing something? Like, they can track your car. They can do all sorts of things. They so typically, out. what does a sergeant want from uh, the their so, team? So going back to I guess the quota part, uh-huh. like. That's the low hanging fruit. So if you see like a sergeant, his job isn't easy. Like he has to evaluate us. Uh, so the low hanging fruit is, you know, obviously enforcement. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, everybody grades things differently. So I'm not going to say one sergeant prioritizes like summonses more or arrests more than another sergeant mm-hmm. because I don't know what, how they do it. Everybody's mind works differently. So but you might, you typically might, most sergeants, are they looking for that? low-hanging fruit are they looking for police officer activities how many arrests you made they have to look at it how much contact but is that how they gauge is that like 80 percent of how if i'm a sergeant for example is that how or if you're a sergeant looking at me is that how you'll gauge my performance on the job what weighs the most is how much arrests i have made and tickets i've handed out right it's part of it it's definitely a part of it. I'm is not that gonna like eighty percent? Is that the? I'm, I'm not going to say it's eighty percent. Does but it weigh the most? It doesn't weigh the most. I'm not going to say it weighs the most because it makes up for a minority of the questions on the evaluation. So, yeah, I mean, 
You could dispute that, obviously. We can agree or, to disagree. So is that at the sergeant's, depending on the sergeant's discretion, huh, on which they, which uh, category they feel but, that is most important engaging? Well, here, here's here's the problem with like saying that. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem with saying that you could you could have a really active enforcer for an officer. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say Norm is an officer. He writes like a gazillion tickets and he makes like I'm super active yeah, I'm a he's brute. super active <laughs> he's a good but, money maker I'm but a brute you are a terrible person yes mm-hmm. you have no civility towards people that's why I'm so active right usually mm-hmm. and, and so do I measure you just on your activity no I can't objectively as a sergeant myself if I was a sergeant right I wouldn't I wouldn't evaluate you just on the fact that oh man you're like my my gold star guy like mm-hmm. I'm gonna look at how you handle people too because I'm not going to, you know, you go to a domestic violence job and you piss these people off even more. Mm-hmm. Let's say, oh man, I agree with your husband. You are a bitch. <laughs> you know, like, and, and then, and then something happens. That'll be hilarious. Think yeah. about it. Like, how does that reflect on the department, right? Yeah. Officer Norman, he's, he's not, he doesn't do a job, do a good job of conveying the professionalism of this department. So therefore I have to mark him down. Right. His social interaction, like. Okay, well, does he interact with community? Uh, well, if he's constantly writing summonses and uh, arresting people, he's probably not doing that much interaction, right? So how do I gauge him on that? So I don't have to talk to him, right? Uh, there's other metrics, like do you know the conditions? If you're constantly writing tickets or arresting for frivolous things, let's say you're, well, not frivolous, but let's say a low-level infraction, you're just bringing people for marijuana smoking. Mm-hmm. constantly when that was a thing you know when that was a thing that's all you did and that's and you just wrote like red light summonses all the time mm-hmm. well guess what i mean i can't really objectively measure you on that right right so i'm gonna have to interview you dig a little deeper so, uh, let's... And, and just to go on the quota thing like yes i mean if i wanted to have better ratings i'm gonna write more mm-hmm. because it's that's part exactly of my evaluation right. but it's yeah. not a quota system because i'm doing it for myself i need to show that, hey, I'm doing my job out here. So because you want to get promoted, that's your you, job. you want to show that you have a lot of activity. Well, to get promoted is just a civil service exam, unless you want to be a detective. In- 